Welcome in, everyone, to the Creighton Volleyball Wrap-Up Podcast. I'm Matt DeMarinas, I'm joined by Megan Ballinger, as always. We are your host of this lovely program, and uh, where do we have some stuff to talk about tonight? Um, the Days just finished a 2-0 weekend, um, a 2-0 drama-filled weekend. They beat Marquette on Friday, and they beat DePaul today on Sunday when we're recording this. So we're going to pour through these uh, two matches for you. Break them down in depth as best we can, and hopefully we'll leave no stone unturned. Megan, you ready to get into this? Yeah, this? lot to cover. Uh, ten sets, so <laughs> wow. Here we go. I think I just got done looking it up too. So this, uh, you're a former player, so maybe you this will take your breath away as well. But the last thirteen matches, starting with Nebraska, so going back all the way to what that second week of September, I guess, after Labor Day, they've played 13 matches in that time. And they've gone to five sets. I believe it's seven times in 13 matches. So it's, it's, here's how it reads as a, as here's, here's how exhausting it reads. It's like, so five set win, five set win, sweep, five set win, sweep, 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 five set loss, four set win, five set win, five set win, five set loss. That's 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 a breathtaking stretch of volleyball right there, right? <laughs> Either they're just killing you or they're going the distance. Yeah, sounds tiring. <laughs> that's not, doesn't it sound tiring, right? You want to retire all oh, over yeah. again, don't you? <laughs> so yeah, they added two five setters to that. Um, so the first one happened on Friday. Another reverse sweep, back to back reverse sweeps um, on consecutive Fridays last week at UConn, and then this weekend at home against Marquette. Um. You know, I didn't think they played all that uh, poorly in the first two sets. I just thought Marquette played better, you know. That that was the interesting part of it to me. And I honestly don't know what you felt going into game three on Friday, but I kind of felt like Marquette was finally going to do it, you know what I mean? Because they were just playing. I thought Creighton was playing pretty well. And usually when they play pretty well at home, that's a good recipe. And they, I thought they played, you know, I don't know if it was like their A-plus game in the first two games, but I thought they played well enough to beat most of the teams that they'll see in their gym. And the fact that Marquette won those first two games, I kind of thought, you know, it feels like Marquette's night. And I don't know. What, what did you feel like just at intermission? How did you feel like that match was uh, trending and who had most of the momentum coming out of the locker room, in your opinion? I mean, I thought, you know, Creighton really struggled. And I thought Marquette just disrupted what they wanted to do. Um, I mean, Marquette hit 317 and 325 in the first and second sets. So I think they kind of were scoring at will at points. Um, and from that standpoint, I mean, I was really impressed with their setter, just their tempo. It was so fast. I mean, she ran that ball to the pin so fast. And their setter was also great at finding their middle. So, I mean, that parody that we kind of talked about last week um, that we thought might be an issue. I thought it really was an issue for them in those first and second sets and um, their middles, especially I thought just kind of had free reign and like there were really no block touches on their swings either. And um, Creighton was a little bit unsure, I think of what to do um, just, you know, having all those options coming at them and not really getting any defensive touches at the net. Yeah. We kind of talked about how we, we, you know, we felt like Creighton was really going to step it up in the blocking department, maybe not even just, from ace blocks, but they just had to be more, they'd have to be, they have to be a presence in the net. Cause you guys, you talk about all the time, like even if you're getting touches and pushing the ball on the other side of the net, like 
and then Zayla talked about it today. Like that's just really hard for a hitter to mentally, you know, recover from constantly if you're if your hits are coming constantly coming back at you, right? So there really wasn't much resistance, right? And I think you're spot on because that tempo was just really hard to deal with. It was hard to get four hands in front of, you know, in terms of block setup, it was really hard to get in front of their hitters on a consistent basis. And yeah, Mark, it just I, I think I used the word comfortable. Marquette seemed really comfortable the first two games. Like that, like they were not like everything was going according to plan for them. They really weren't any moments of, you know, long stretches of adversity where they had to kind of dig deep and battle through tough situations where the crowd got involved and things like that. It felt like they were comfortable, right? Yeah, very comfortable. And I think even just from a servant's pass standpoint, I think Marquette outserved passed them in those first two sets. Um, you know, so I just thought like Crane would put in serves and they'd be in system. Um, and for whatever reason, I feel like Crane served to the libero for the first two sets almost, you know, the entire time. And I thought she was just nails the whole time. And so I, from that standpoint, I was like frustrated. I was like, stop serving at her. Like she just passed every single ball, perfect pass. And then they're running their middle, you know, they're running their pins at a fast speed. So, yeah, I mean, I just thought the passing for them and then just the offensive options that they have was kind of what, um, you know, pushed them over the top and, you know, what made them be able to beat Creighton in those first two sets. So what's your, what, what do you think the mindset of the group was at in the locker room? Like, cause you've been in those situations before when you're dealing with a team that has a lot of firepower and they run a, you know, a fast tempo offense. So they're, first of all, they can challenge you physically. They have good athletes. They have a lot of balance across the board. And at that point, they had a lot of options going in terms of their offensive parity. How do you begin to, you know, get find your footing coming out of the locker room? What's what are some of the like what's what's plan A, B and C um, after intermission for you, do you think? I think the main thing is you got to put in really tough serves and get them out of system. And then the second thing is you got to get touches on the block. I mean, maybe it's not an ace block, but you at least need to touch, touch the balls. And even if that's the pin blockers making bigger moves, um, you know, try to get touches and slow down that tempo a little bit. I think those are the things for me that I was like, they're going to have to like turn on the blocking. And I didn't think they blocked well, like at all, you know, in the first and second sets. And I thought that third set, they came out and they're like, oh, they're getting block touches. Oh, there's an ace block. Like, this is a different Creighton team, I thought, in that third set than what we saw in the first and second when it seemed like Marquette was just dominating them. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you just saw, like, Marquette's offensive efficiency started to drop off. You started to see balls, like, you know, off the net a little bit more. It just felt like – it felt like – I think at one point you're just thinking – if Kendra's got an Apple watch, you know, and you're tracking her steps, like she's moving a lot more than Marquette said her was, you know, so For in terms sure. of like which offense is kind of in sync, right? So, yeah, I mean, that does seem like priority number one is like get Marquette out of system as much as, pos- as much as you possibly can, first of all, with your serving, and then kind of let the dominoes fall from there, right? Because you figure if Marquette's out of system and all of a sudden they're terminating at a lower rate, you can start to put some points together, put some runs together. You can start building confidence. Then the crowd gets involved and then the mental gymnastics start, right? Because then you can ride the mojo of your home crowd and then they can, you know, have to be a little bit internal and start to think about how to dig deep and find their way out of it. Right. 
Exactly. And I mean, because they ran such a fast tempo, I mean, it just makes it harder and harder to run that if you're out of system. And I thought credit to Marquette Sutter. I thought she's still, she's off the net. I thought she still put that ball at a really fast pace out to those pins um, and was still trying to beat the block. But yeah, the more that you can get her pulled off, you know, and not make that middle available, you know, or, you know, take somebody out of the play in that standpoint, then you're like, okay, I have these two primary options now as a middle, I can make this read. And this is one of the matches where the middles you're going to have to commit sometimes. And I know there were times where I know, I remember one where Kiara completely left like the middle and just went for like the right side and, you know, and they said it and she got a block and it was great. But those are the things that are kind of, you know, it's like that balance of, okay, do I take this risk, you know, or I do, do I let this girl have an open net kill if the setter, you know, goes to her. So, but that was the situation that they were put in if they were in system, you know, for Marquette to have all those options. So then we get, you know, we get deep into set three and you feel like, you feel like, gosh, you know, it's, this is a must win set for Creighton. So you're kind of looking for them to seize control of something. And I don't know how you figure game threes are going to go when you're up 2-0 or down 2-0. I think you, I kind of always just assume that set three is going to be where you see a drop off from one from the team that's kind of up and like they relax a little bit. And I think you see the desperation from the other side that's trying to get themselves back into it. So I was surprised that we got, you know, late into game three and it was still kind of a back and forth battle a little bit. Um, and then all of a sudden the, the switch flipped, man, like it was 17, 17 and Creighton just rips off an eight, two run to finish that thing. And it was just their match from that point on. And I know I've asked you this. I've asked you this as during your playing career because it kind of was brewing. And we've talked about it a lot since you, since your playing days ended. But I can't help but, like, think now that Marquette's got some kind of, like, there's a mental threshold. They just can't break through when they're playing Creighton. I don't know what it is because this is an entire. These are not the same people. You know what I mean? They're not the same individuals. The coaching staff is the same, so it makes me wonder if there's something from a body language standpoint or just the nervous energy that they project and huddles and things like that when things are starting to go south or sideways. But I just don't know how any other way to explain. Like Kirsten is twenty and two against Ryan Tice right now in her in head to head, and that's that's a really good program over there. You know what I mean? I just feel like there have been times where Marquette's been capable of beating Creighton. They've been physically good enough to do it, certainly, and they've played well enough to do it. But there's there just becomes a point where Creighton just goes to a level, and then it just feels like, oh no, here we go again. Like I just think I just can't help but think that's what happens because from the from the basically at that point of set three where I said it was seventeen seventeen, Creighton outscored them forty eight twenty six for the last seventy four rallies. That's not even in the same hemisphere anymore. You know what I mean? You're getting wiped out. That's bad. So I feel like Marquette just got, they lost control of the things they were doing really well to put themselves up 2-0, first of all. Like Creighton started serving better, got Marquette out of the system more, got their block set up going. Uh, Nora and Ava caught fire, for sure. Um, that's, that's important because you have two powerful athletic pin hitters that are going off, you know. And Ava was basically front row that last half of the match. So she wasn't really having to worry about first contacts at all. She was just, you know, towing that 10-foot line and letting them rip, you know. And uh, 
And I thought Creighton just got super comfortable. The crowd got involved. And they rode the wave. And Marquette never could steady it. And I think it's just, I mean, I can't boil it down to anything. But they just know when Creighton's on, they have a certain sense that it's going to be tough to pull them off. And I just don't know any other way to put it now. 20-2, and two, it should not be a 20-2 and two type of series. It should be like a 10-10, and 12-2 type <laughs> of series. You know what I mean? It should be more yeah. back and forth than it is. But for whatever reason, it's just not. Like, whenever Creighton gets rolling, you know, wrap it up, warm the bus up, it's over. Yeah, it was a bit It was a bit odd just to see it. Because I think, I mean, you did see just Marquette break down, like, passing. And I think that's where it started. I mean, their passing just broke down. And then from there, it just kind of seemed like there was a drop-off, you know. Just kept going in there, like, oh, continuously getting a little bit worse. And it is interesting, too, because... You know, if I was on Marquette's side, I'd be like, we're up 2-0 on Creighton at their place. Like, we're balling out. We're having a great time. We're playing great. You know, like, we're dominating. You know, so you would think, like, that confidence would be like, this is our game. Like, let's push it. You know, let's push it. Let's win. Let's go. So, I mean, I, I think I agree. I, you know, you look at the numbers, and I can't figure out why Marquette can't beat Creighton. Um, you know, just because it, their parody, I thought, you know they're serving pass especially I thought like the best version of them in that in that match was at the beginning of course um but for whatever reason they just couldn't couldn't sustain it and kind of let Creighton get you know into their into their mojo of things and I think credit to Creighton I think they did ride the momentum that they they got really really well and they took advantage and were able to go on um some big runs which definitely opened it up there um you know in those third, fourth, and fifth sets um, at times. I think Allison Witten was one that went on two really critical serving runs in different sets. Um, so, yeah, I, I I, don't know. I just – I can't figure it out either. Maybe it is, you know, maybe the coaches are just like, we're at Creighton again. You know, we'll see how this goes, that sort of thing. But um, I don't know. I, I can't that, explain that, it either. It's a really yeah, there mystery. Was, there was like a part of me where I was like, you know, just – be careful making that grand declaration because Marquette could Marquette's talented enough to easily win like three, four in a row in this series. And just like, Oh yeah. Just because they're, they're good. You know, like they're, they're, they came in, they came in 15 and one and they had won 13 straight matches. They beat Kentucky. They beat a Kentucky team at Kentucky. And we saw how good Kentucky was. They wiped Creighton off the floor, right? Like that's been, yeah. that's been the only match where Creighton didn't even look competitive this year. Still, they played Nebraska, Bay state rice, Florida state, name them like, Iowa State, they played tough teams all season. And Kentucky was the only one that, like, oh, you don't belong on the same floor with that team. Like, that's how bad it looked, right? 25 to 5 on your own floor? Like, when has Creighton ever gotten 25 to 5 ever? So, and Marquette beat that team. The only loss was to Wisconsin in a four-setter at the Coles or at, at, at Wisconsin. Like, they were rolling. Yeah. And they come in here and they win the first two sets. So, you have a 13-match win streak. You're... 2-19 against Creighton. You know if you win, you're leading the Big East and probably in the driver's seat all the way up until that rematch where you get it at home on the last day of the regular season. They had everything to pull from that, and they're up 2-0 on that big of a wave, and then it just comes crashing down like so quickly. And to me, that's mental. That's that's the one thing we can't quantify in this series is like Creighton's got yeah. studs, Marquette has studs, but Creighton is just mentally tougher. Like they just, as a program, they just have, they just have badasses. They don't, they don't fold until it's time until the until the ref says the match is over. Like they keep going, you know what I mean. And for whatever reason, when Marquette plays Creighton, 
they fold before it's over. They just do. Like that's the there's no other nice way to put it. I don't I don't know if they listen to this show. I don't really care. It's just I'm just being honest. Like they they folded. When you're up 2-0, and then as soon as Creighton got rolling, they never stopped rolling. Never. They never they never pulled anything back from it. I mean, set set uh set four was a wipeout. Set three almost was. Marquette had a little bit of a run. They, I think they scored what four in the last five or three in the last four in yeah. set three. Otherwise, that would have been a wipeout too. You know, that was real close to going twenty five seventeen. That was an eight zero run almost, but Creighton put on them. And set four wasn't close. Set five wasn't close. Um, so I don't know, man. There's just I think I think if there's if I'm trying to count on certain things, I know we tried to break this down from uh you know on paper last weekend. I just don't think we quantified like how big of a mental stranglehold Creighton has on Marquette and this entire conference. Like they just, it's like a Jersey thing, you know, they just see the Jersey and it's like, yeah, and they started playing well. And it's like, Oh man, we're in trouble. I agree. Yeah. I, one thing I thought was crazy. Marquette went up one Oh in the third set, but never led after that. Never. In, never. In the rest of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was like that. That to me is crazy because you look at it, obviously Creighton, I mean, played a competitive first two sets, but yeah. I would have thought, you know, this would be a match in those third, fourth, fifth sets that, you know, it'd be neck and neck, tons of ties, lead changes, you know, mm-hmm. we could be in the extra points, that sort of thing, like dramatic fashion of a fifth set, maybe that just seemed yeah. like what it was shaping up to be like. Right. Um, But it really, yeah, it really wasn't. And I do think, I mean, that just screams to me that it's something mental for sure. And I think a yeah. lot of like passing too, you get in their heads, you get in passers' heads, and all of a sudden they're tentative, making moves and that sort of thing. And that spreads mm-hmm. to everything else that our team is going to do. So I think really that's what you can chalk it up to because I mean, a great team, and we saw like what they are capable of, especially yeah. in those first two sets. 100%. Let's talk about what Creighton did well though, too, because you know, as much as I feel like Marquette's got an issue that they have to figure out with. I don't know. They got to hire a sports psychologist or something to figure that out. But I, there's still there, Creighton still did a lot, a lot of things well. And dig transition, I feel like, was incredible. And I'm probably gonna beat that in the ground tonight, just because I was just so impressed by how Creighton scores on plays you don't think they should score on. Like I don't know how to anywhere how to explain that any better. It just feels like you know they're. The play's going wrong. Like, they shank a pass. They're not in system. They send a free ball over. Marquette pounds it back at them. Um, you know, they they get a ball up, but it's not necessarily – Kendra's not on the net to set it. Like, and then they just score. I don't know. Crazy's just, like, a tough – they're just a tough team. They just find ways to score in gritty ways. Like, you know, where it's not pretty, where it's not by design, where it's not, you know, bump, set, kill, Kendra's on the net, three options, ready to roll. It, but Creighton just finds a way to put the ball down, man. And, that, and they did that. As soon as they got rolling in day transition, I was like, Lord, this is – like the crowd – I think the crowd feeds off those plays more than first ball kills. Do you oh, think so? Sure. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I think the more you have to work, you know, to get to get a kill and that sort of thing, like you have to transition a few times, that sort of thing, or you have to fly around and just throw a ball over, I think the crowd just gets super into it. I think those are the plays that – give you the momentum. And I think that play that, you know, they kind of had on that highlight reel and NCAA volleyball picked up of Ellie Bolton, like flying over oh and getting it with one hand ascended. And then Norris is getting that massive block. Like that is such a momentum swinger. Like that play right there 
it just, you know, you're like up oh, Creighton's game, you know, like that, those sorts of points that you win, you're just like, Oh, you know, they're going on a big run here. And those are the things that you have to take advantage of. And I thought they did that really well. That sucker was a wrap at that point, you know, cause I think what, let me, I got to go back and make sure, but I'm pretty sure that was in Ellie's big serving run. I know, I couldn't remember exactly when it was. I was trying to think. Maybe I'm wrong. Where did Ellie have that big serving room? Oh, that was today. I'm an idiot. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Ellie Bolton had a 10-point serving room against DePaul. My fault. Anyway, so it's not four, (laughs) but still. Like, she (laughs) totally fell off the map on that one. But anyway, but I mean, still, like, head first slide into the scorer's table. And... She didn't just have to get that thing up. She had to get that over the net somehow, you know? So think about she's basically next to Booth. <laughs> one, throwing 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 a paw out there. Um, punching it up. It gets over the net. And we talked you talked about tempo earlier. Like that was an in-system ball from Marquette. They passed that thing easily oh, yeah. and set it easily out to the left pin all the way across the floor. So Nora is isolated on Aubrey Hamilton, which was Marquette's best hitter. All season, the transfer from Notre Dame, she's been killing it. And Nora's one-on-one with her. Like, Megan, as a stud hitter, you want one-on-ones, right? That's like, that's 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 Dunzo, ball on the ground, point Marquette, right? Like, you love that. And she had one-on-one with Nora on that ball. And Nora stuffed her. And the crowd went nuts. And I'm just like, yo, that's a wrap. Like, that, that's this is not, this is, this is going five, but it's not going to be competitive anymore. Like it's over. Like that they're not coming back from that. And they didn't. They never recovered from that stuff. No, and that is so demoralizing as a hitter. Like that yeah. is so terrible. Like so terrible. I mean, just stuff straight down at you. Um, yeah. so yeah, just awful. And I think that I that showed I think a lot of what was going on on Marquette's side too. They're like, ugh, you know, and then they kind of let those things fester. I thought, you know, like they'd play a few points after that and maybe didn't do the greatest things and kind of let Creighton have control. So I think from that standpoint, you know, Marquette's like, okay, we need to rebound, you know, but I didn't think they were really able to do that. And Creighton kept the pressure on, um, which was great to see from their standpoint. Um, So I want to ask you about big transition a little bit, because I don't, we need to probably don't, I don't know if we've ever talked about that in depth or not. Um, But we were, I was kind of picking your brain a little bit off, off air because the numbers just are like, they're just jumping out at me. So Creighton had 41 kills in big transition and 37 first ball kills against Marquette. First of all, I think it's crazy to have more kills in transition than on first ball kills, especially for a team that passes as well as Creighton does. Um, and they hit 325 on first ball attacks and, and 239 on in transition. So there's not that much of a drop off. I usually see. I usually figure there's going to be like a 150 point, 250, 200 point drop off between the two. This first ball kills, I think that means you just nail the pass and you're in system, and that's an easy money ball. But, I mean, there's not much of a difference between how Creighton's terminating in transition versus how they're terminating on first ball kills. Is that, like, what does that tell you when you when you hear those numbers? I think it's really impressive, and I think something I noticed, I thought, in those first two sets that they dropped to Marquette, I thought they had opportunities to, like, get those digs a little bit closer to the net so they'd have more options, and I thought the third, fourth, and fifth sets, they did a really nice job of getting digs closer to the net, so, you know, Kendra then becomes an option offensively when she's in the front, or your middles become more of an option. You know, you have you have everybody kind of as an option, and then you also have the option when you're in system of that back row attack 
coming in system. So you really have everything clicking on all cylinders. And I thought that was probably a lot of the blocking get, getting touches too, because it slows that ball down. It becomes an easier day. You're like, okay, let's put this ball on the net. So I thought they did that really well. And I thought when they did that, I mean, those stats, I think show it like there's really no stopping them when they're in system, you know, have all their hitters available on that dig transition and Marquette's blockers had to, you know, figure out where to go, who to key on. Do I go with the back row? Oh, Kendra's available and she can throw that ball down really hard. So those sorts of things are when they become really dangerous. Yeah. And Kendra had a career high nine kills tonight. 20. She took, she called her own number 20 times. I know you love an aggressive setter because of what it opens up for the offense. So she was, she was dialed in in terms of trying to be aggressive. And, you know, if those balls were just a little bit tight to the net, she's like, all right, I'm just going to put this in. I'm going to put this down. And she puts it down with such force, too. Like, she gets kills off back row defenders, off deflections. She uses hands. Um, but you saw, like, Peyton's parody balance out a little bit more as that match wore on. Because early on, it was like, you know, Kendra, Ava, or, it was, you know, Kendra called her own number a few times. But mainly it was Nora and Ava beating most of the sets. And I just think... Yeah, you're a little bit predictable there for Marquette. And then you just see the numbers kind of balance out slowly, but surely it's balancing out as the match wears on. And that's just like your first key right there that Creighton's in system a lot. And to your point about dig transition, because they there was a lot of those plays, you know, just a, a, a dig that's tighter to the net where Kendra doesn't have to move as far, where she can position herself well and open up options for herself for the left or right pin and for that back row where Nora comes flying in, right? Like the, they Creighton's offense just was really dialed in, you know, those last three sets in particular. Yeah. And I think the one nice thing too, for, for Creighton, you know, uh, from a digging standpoint is like, even if you put that ball a little bit tight to the net um, on a dig, Kendra is, you know, most likely going to win a joust or that sort of thing, you know, if she's put in that position. So I think, that's an emphasis for creating. They're like, okay, let's get our digs, especially if that ball it gets slowed down from the blockers or, you know, it's a roll shot or a free ball, that sort of thing. They're like, okay, like let's get, get that ball up to the net with some tempo and let's run our offense, you know, and make it really efficient. And I think those are the things that you maybe wouldn't notice right away. You just think, oh, it's a dig, but like, okay, can we make this dig a little bit better so that we can put everybody in the best position possible? Yeah. And, and you're right about Kendra being good at that because normally, you know, you don't, I don't think you want your setter tight to the net because there's just so much that can go wrong, right? Like if it's just a little bit too high, you have the, you know, he can get jousted. Uh, they can just terminate the overpass or she can roll an ankle. There's like so many things that can go poorly there. But, you know, Kendra is just really good about, I don't know, reading when it's time to, you know, joust, call her own number. She has the flip over the shoulder she pulls off every now and then. She did that a couple times today. But she also had a really tough, um, ball against Paul, where the thing's over the net, and she just kind of one hand tips it back to Kiara on that one mm-hmm. set, and Kiara just puts it down. Like that's that's Kendra's special athletically, so you know it does give Creighton's passers a little bit more liberty to kind of put you know the ball tighter to the net because she can make something happen out of that. You know she's really good. The closer she is to the net, the more potent she seems to be. Don't you think? Yeah, and I think, I mean, she's obviously an offensive option. So it's like, if you get her on the net, you just create some guessing for the blockers. And I think even that, even getting that ball up to the net where they're like, oh, you know, like we got to worry about her now. If she's pulled off the net, they're, the block, the blockers are relaxed. They're like, 
she's not going to dump it from there. Right. Like it's not a power dump. If anything, she's just going to throw it over. It's an easy ball to get. So yeah, I think the more you can get her on the net and dig transition, um, which I thought they did really well, the more it's just, you know, a guessing game for the blockers. And you just want to kind of put that in their mind, like, okay. And she established herself, I thought, early in this game as well. So Marquette had to worry about it. And I thought they they dug her, you know, quite a few times. I thought they kind of, you know, in their scout, they knew what was going on. But then later on in the match, she came back to it and they had kind of widened their defense a little bit. And then she was able to score. For sure. Ava Martin had a crazy good night. Um, 18 kills in 12 days, both career highs in both areas. She hit 381. Uh, only committed two errors all night. That's for a pin. That's just absurd. Um, in sets three and four, she had 12 kills on 20 swings, no errors at all. Um, what do you think was working for Ava? Because it seems like once she got on a heater, like there, it, she didn't really cool off. Like she was putting the ball down constantly. Yeah, I think, I mean, she's just aggressive every time that she swings. And I think that's what makes her so fun to watch. Like, even if that ball was coming from way off the net, I think she's like, okay, I'm taking a great approach. I'm still going to swing high. Um, You know, I'm going to drive that ball. And I, her arm, her arm swing is just, I, there's some velocity behind it. I mean, you can just tell even when you're sitting in the stands and that sort of thing. Um, So I think from that standpoint, it's just hard. And then she elevates. I mean, we've talked about that. She elevates really well and continues to hit high um use shots I know there was one today I think that she just kind of took off the block and kind of chucked it off the block to get you know that swipe point and I think that's something we haven't seen a ton usually she's a lot of power but I think she just continues to develop like those shots and be put in situations where she has to kind of figure out a different way to score yeah she was special man I mean when she got on a roll like I said there was just no really turning her off and uh I, I just don't know. I think Marquette probably he's probably high on the scouting report. Maybe he's number two at this point. But I think just when you factor in, you know, the way Kendra was going, like with nine kills, um, you know, Kiana, Kiana hit 476 on 21 swings. Like Kiara had eight kills. Um, and then you've then you just got the Nora show. Like you're trying to you're trying to do everything you can to stop her. And, you know, you have to have four hands in front of her at all times. And she's an option in the back row. Like, I think it just became too much. Like, I don't know. I don't know what came first, what produced what. Like, did everything else being in sync help Ava take off in sets three and four and go from there? Or did Ava kind of open up her things for everybody else? But either way, she took full advantage of that. And she's having a hell of a big East year, man. She's killing people. It's, <laughs> I mean, she's hitting efficiently. She's terminating. Um, she's been consistent for the most part. I think she had maybe. One bad match against UConn, I think, is the only down match she's had. But other than that, she's been smashing everybody she faces in Biggie's play. And, I mean, yeah, career high 18 kills against the best team she, you know, might have faced all year, arguably. Like, and certainly in the Big East like that. That was a hell of an impressive show for, for the freshman. But that was a big win for Creighton for a couple reasons. Um, Obviously, it puts him in the driver's seat in the Big East. Um. And that Marquette rematch isn't happening until the last day of the regular season. So there's going to be a that. lot of, yeah, there's going to be a lot of in between there where like kind of Marquette has to smart over this, over this, over this loss before they get payback. Like, they, I mean, honestly, the next time they play, we might see two, two totally different teams because there's a lot of, a lot of season left before that rematch. So I think it's cool that they're playing on the last day of the year. I think the Big E should do that for the foreseeable future until. You know, there's a drop off between these two programs because I think you can bank on them both being in contention for the league title. So 
it would behoove them from a drama standpoint to, uh, you know, have them go at it early and then just have them go at it late, like that kind of thing. So I think it's weird when they play in the middle of the season and don't see each other again until the Big East tournament. But that's just my opinion. But anyway, Marquette came in ranked. Uh, they were, I, I don't really pay attention to ABCA at this point. I think RPI is the more important yeah. thing. ABCA is important preseason and then end of season. What do you am I wrong about that? Like I just think everything else in between is window dressing. The RPI is really that's all that matters in between that, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously based on how the NCAA seeds, it's all RPI yeah. driven. So I think from that standpoint, that's what you look at. I think the AVCA can be like a good advertisement, I wanna say, like for your that's, program. That's you a know pretty I mean? good way to put it. Like, I think that's yeah, like it's marketing basically. Like, yeah. It's basically, I mean, it's a kind of like where I mean, that's the ranking that, you know, they use typically, like, when they advertise your team and that sort of thing. I know, like, I had Lydia Dimke before she transferred. Like, she said she looked at all the teams that were in the top 25 from the previous season on, like, the ABCA poll to decide, like, where to think about transferring. So, I, like, I think about it from kind of that standpoint. Like, I just think, you know, it kind of shows you, I guess, the perception of others, too. I mean, it's coach-driven, like, the voting. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's more more of an advertisement type thing based you know instead of the rpi is a lot more accurate i think obviously based yeah. on all the calculation that goes into it and strength of schedule and all that for sure well i mean rpi is kind of outdated but volleyball is still using it for some reason i don't know when the ncaa decided to do it they changed the metrics for basketball but left the other sports with rpi very weird i can go on a rant about it i won't though <laughs> um it was like yeah well this this metric's outdated but we're going to use it for all the other sports i'm like well wait isn't Aren't you? We just are you saying that the other sports aren't that big of a deal, or what's going on there? Um, so anyway, Marquette was 13th in RPI in the official RPI coming to that match, so that's a big one for Creighton because I think they still like have a chance to build a resume that's host worthy. So, you know, obviously, they have to avoid pitfalls, they can't be they can't drop a match to someone like 80 or lower because that's really going to hurt them. Because this year, Creighton's resume doesn't have that like marquee top 10 top five win they didn't get that this year in the non-con so they they when they go into big east play they're really kind of at a margin of zero like they can't i don't know if they can lose a match in big east play and still host like i just don't think it's i don't think there's gonna be enough meat on the bone on selection sunday like when you don't have a top five win to offset a bad loss kind of thing so the Marquette win is huge. Like right now, I think it stands as Creighton's best win. I don't know what USC is at. I should probably check that out. But I think Marquette is going to be the chance for Creighton to build a hosting resume. So getting that win is huge. And then obviously they'll have one more guaranteed dance with the Golden Eagles at, at the end of the season. But I don't know. Like what, when you're when you're when you're leaving this match tonight as a player, like what are you what are you happy most about? Like that you're number one in the big East right now. And you kind of are in the driver's seat. And if you just take care of business, you're going to hang another banner. Or are you thinking about that resume and, you know, and how it serves to build up, you know, a better seat, a better draw and possibly a hosting your own regional kind of thing. What, 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 what are you leaving the arena thinking about? I mean, I think just the resiliency of your team. I think that's the first thing, obviously it's, it's great to be Marquette. Um, and be in that position to, you know, be in the lead in the Big East. So I think from that standpoint, that's what, like, I would be most happy about. Um, Gotcha. Because that's just one of those things that, you know, Creighton always puts, like, on their goal board. 
um, you know, to win the Big East and that sort of thing. And obviously they've been able to do that a lot, but I don't think even from doing it so much, like there's still something to be said about like winning your conference and kind of yeah. being that like marquee team in your league. Um, so I think from that standpoint, that's what, you know, I would be thinking about. Um, and then obviously just a great win over a ranked team that, you know, you weren't really picked to beat um, mm-hmm. from that standpoint. So um, yeah, just a good win. And then obviously we'll have a lot of time, you know, to gear up and play a lot of other matches before they then have to do the rematch. And I'm sure they will probably meet in the tournament um mm-hmm. in Omaha so you know there's a few more on the schedule that they'll have to play really well and it'll be interesting to see kind of the swing of you know if Marquette can get over that you know mental hurdle that we've talked about and that sort of thing yeah. um but yeah I think it'll be exciting when they kind of rematch and like you said they might just be a little bit different than they are now even um so before we get into DePaul I want to ask you I think I've asked you this a lot so we probably are beating a dead horse here but do you consider Marquette your rival? Like, do you feel a different energy when they're when it's time to play Marquette? Like, is it a different vibe in the the week leading up and then the match itself and then kind of the euphoria that comes with beating them? Is it? Do you get that feeling? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, I think it's probably the easiest match to get up for in the entire Big East season, for sure. That's, that's, that's certainly fair. Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. So, I think, you know, from that standpoint, I think when you're playing a team that is really good, I mean, you know, they're very talented, you know, they have that ranking, you know, they have a really great RPI, you know, it's probably going to be you and Marquette in that Big East final. Um, just mm-hmm. looking at it historically, I think for sure, I think, you know, there's something even though the, the win and loss category, you know, maybe isn't equal, um, I think yeah. it's still a rivalry and you would consider it because the matches, I mean, like we talked about, are usually like a dramatic match. You know, mm-hmm. you go to extra points, you go five sets, that sort of thing. And like, we saw that. I mean, it was a complete different swing of, you know, going down two sets, having to do the, re- re- the reverse sweep and that sort of thing. So for sure, I think from that standpoint, just the sets and kind of the battles that happen in the match um, kind of set you up to have a really competitive game. Gotcha. So I ask you that to ask you this because there was a really funny moment in the presser today because uh, I think the the players were kind of asked, or I don't know if everyone was asked, but if there was a letdown, and you know Kirsten, that's like a that's a no no, right? Like you guys, <laughs> you guys have to like you're trained to show up like and play Creighton volleyball every day, regardless of who you're playing, right? Um. So the term unacceptable was thrown out a few times. If she didn't even let the players answer the question, she was like, if that's the case, it's not acceptable. They know that. So if if that if they did show up today and and you know kind of rest on their laurels a little bit or or you know, walk in a little bit taller, um, they need to get that into the pants because we got a long way to go, kind of thing. So that's why I asked you about Marquette to ask you about DePaul. In your opinion, did Creighton have a letdown today did they take um DePaul for granted after the big win on Friday my inclination while watching this match was yes because okay. I didn't think they had any business going five with DePaul um okay. Okay. granted I thought DePaul did some good things um I mean, DePaul was scrappy today like I don't yeah. want to I don't want to do that to not give DePaul yeah. credit because they were digging some balls that I'm like that's a kill every other day. Like, so I want to give them credit because they fought. Like, they didn't roll over. Honestly, they put up more of a fight than 
kept it on Friday. Like they never they stayed in it the whole time. That's they never cool. laid down. You know what I mean? I think they had a yeah. like the fourth the the first set was you know Creighton had a big run and they had a big run in the fourth set that kind of made those two lopsided. But other than that, DePaul was scrappy. They were getting block touches. They were getting digs. Um, they were tooling hands. They were using Creighton. They were really savvy. So I want to. I don't want to like. I don't want to minimize what DePaul did today. But I do agree with you. Like Creighton should not have gone five today, right? No, no, not at all. And I thought that third set should have been Creighton or should have been Creighton. The second yeah. set should have been Creighton. They were up twenty four twenty one, right? The like second they, that... set should have been as well. I mean, they let yeah. DePaul go on runs, and I didn't yeah. think that was really acceptable. I was like, you have the offensive weapons, you know, the physicality to like put away this team. I thought, and not to let them go on runs. Um, which, I mean, that's a close game, obviously. I mean, they competed, but they did give up a run there, which I didn't think they should have. Um, and then, yeah, that third set, I thought, after losing that close of a set, I thought, okay, they're going to come out and just completely dominate, like get pissed off and, like, dominate in this third set. And they just, I mean, they played it close, but it didn't just, you know, fall like that. So I was a little bit surprised about that. It seemed to affect them, right? Like Creighton's normally pretty mentally tough, pretty mentally resilient. They bounce pretty quickly, right? But I think it did look like it felt like. How about that? I don't know if it looked like. I don't want to tell. I don't want to like try to get in the players' heads or whatever they're thinking. But it felt in the arena. It felt in the arena how it feels every time Creighton's lost a match they shouldn't lose. Like I've been, I've been covering this team, this program since about, um, gosh, 2013, I think is when I first started with them. So like I've seen them like, Lose to St. John's, lose to Villanova. Like they beat, they beat. I mean, one year they beat, um, they didn't beat Nova for the conference title, and they got swept on Senior Day by Seton Hall. Like weird, you know. So it just <laughs> today felt like one of those days where it was like, I think Creighton's got some weird energy about them because I felt it like permeate throughout the crowd because after they lost, they were up twenty four twenty one in set two, already up one zero from a dominant first set, like. They, they put that away 99.99% of the time, right? And they didn't. And then you watch set three play out, and you're like, ooh, you're not really loving the energy from the J side of the net. Like, it felt like I, it felt like watching them, that game two was affecting game three. You know? And that's usually not the case. So it did feel weird at some point. Like, Creighton got shook for a minute. I don't know if that if that came off to you at all, but it just seemed like they lost their grip on things from a focus standpoint and kind of let DePaul dictate. And that's how DePaul got pretty comfortable. Yeah. I mean, to give up three set points in that second set, I mean, like you said, it's yeah. just uncharacteristic. And I think on paper, obviously you're looking at it and you're like, you have no business losing a set. And I think, I mean, they didn't, I, you know, they could have gotten a first ball kill. And I thought at that standpoint, I was just like, frustrated watching I'm like all right somebody needs to step up and just be like I'm putting this ball down mm -hmm. um you know and I thought like Jazz Schmidt came in later in the game and was kind of that person for them like was that spark she's like I'm in I'm getting a kill you know like mm -hmm. that it was just like no it was just all business like all right I'm doing my job got a kill well let's move on that sort of thing but yeah I mean that that was rough and I do think I mean it just looked like they kind of looked a little bit defeated I thought there to start that third set yeah. um which was just a different Creighton team, I think, than we've saw. Obviously, like, they typically get punched and then they're just responding and kind of move on on that next point. I thought they kind of let it fester a little bit into that third set and 
I mean, that was why DePaul was able to come out on top. Yeah, so it's crazy because, like, I don't know. Do you ever feel like or have you ever felt in a match where you're playing somebody and you get them at a certain point? And do you ever feel like a team's about to roll over on you? Have you ever felt that before? Like, we're like, oh, yeah, they're they're not going to challenge us today. Like, we're playing too well. They're not doing anything right now. Like, this is this is ba- as long as yeah. we keep executing. As long as we keep executing, it's a wrap. You know what I mean? Do you ever feel that in a match? Oh yeah, I think it. I mean, a lot of it, I think, is like body language. Yeah, I think that's the first. That's the first thing that will tell you, like, ah, uh, we got this team like rattled. You know, okay. like, oh, they're shanking a pass. They're not communicating. They're not like getting in huddles together. They're just kind of like, <laughs> I'm out. You know, yeah. that sort of thing. And yeah, there's definitely matches that you know I played well, in that I was just like, we're good. <laughs> we're good. We're good. We're good to go. Um, because it felt. I think Creighton maybe got a false sense of security. Because you know what the interesting thing about set one was? They won it 25 to 15, but they used a 9 nothing run to make it happen. Like DePaul, I know a 9 nothing run is significant. DePaul was like in that thing. They were battling for points on the either either end of that 9-0 run. You know what I mean? So like they weren't rolling over. And I think maybe Creighton thought, like they, I think they just peaked the scoreboard or something, whatever you, whatever the um, phrase you want to use. But like I think, they, I think they saw twenty five fifteen. They saw how easy nine nothing felt, and they just maybe thought like, yeah, we're gonna put this team away. Like, they're you know we we we're the we're the we're the Big East champs. Like the banners are hanging up. They just rolled over and set one. We got this thing. And when when DePaul like fought back and stole set two from them, I think that surprised them significantly to the point where it was hard to recover from harder like than they normally would recover like like it was they weren't ready at zero zero you know what i mean i just think that's what you felt you felt that energy like on the court you're like ooh, i don't know if creighton like i think they maybe like front run a little bit and then they got caught slipping and then now they're in a match and they didn't expect to be in a match you know what i mean and it took them a little bit to get that edge back and i think the edge came from north <laughs> nor assists like and it's funny because every time we've asked her about this, after every one of these types of matches, or she'll have these like swings in a game where she doesn't terminate at a high rate. Like, you know, she's it's it's like three kills on 10 swings, and there's a couple errors in there. And then you're all of a sudden like, hey, Nora, what happened when you just went bananas? Like, because in sets, uh, sets four and five today, she had 11 kills on 15 swings so she hit damn near 700 as a pin hitter um she had six kills on eight swings with no errors in set five that's stupid no one should get six kills in a five set in the fifth set um and it's like what happened and she's like i don't know i just got kind of pissed off and started (laughs) started swinging harder i know megan can relate to that right playing uh better when you're pissed off like just oh you know, you just swing harder and like you just go after it more, and you just aren't you don't care as much, right? Like you're just mad, so you just want to, you just want to pound the ball on the floor. Like that's kind of what Nora did today. Like Nora just got mad and went crazy, and DePaul could not stop her. That's kind of how Creighton won today. Like Nora just got angry. Like you can relate to that. <laughs> so like, what, why, why do you think it's just like there's a there's a place you can go for like you know, mentally where you can still execute your technique, but you're just doing it with more assertiveness. Like, what do you think switches? Mm, I mean, I just, I think you just 
be really aggressive I think that's the thing it's like you get pissed off and you're like we shouldn't be behind or that sort of thing or like I'm putting this ball down that sort of thing and I I mean I think at that point you just make no excuses you're like I'm getting a kill like whatever they're gonna throw at me like I'm getting this kill no matter what if I have to transition three times I'm gonna get a kill um so I think it's just that mindset and you almost flip and you're like all right this is my game like can you just become so aggressive and I think at times you know earlier I thought like she'd throw in a tip or do that sort of thing and she's like nah I'm swinging like they can't stop me you know and I think it's the confidence and just that that will to like win and I think when you go to that other level where you're like I'm yeah. going to will my team to win like this is this is our game and I think it's just a mindset and for yeah. whatever reason and when you get in that zone too I think it kind of helps you just stop thinking about everything else you're just yeah. like all right I'm killing the ball and sometimes you can play the best when, when you don't think. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of people, when they're not thinking about it, it's the best they're going to play and um, they're going to be aggressive and do all the right things and do the small things right. Yeah. It's so funny because, too, as an observer, you're just like, you know, you hear that type of um, analysis, even when they're talking about themselves. Like, I don't know, I just got mad and I was just, like, being aggressive and I just wasn't thinking. And I was just, like, going no. after it. Like, I, I just I just threw caution in the wind. I go, all right, look. If DePaul's going to block me or dig me or whatever, they're at least going to feel it. Like, I'm going to hit the ball hard as hell, and they're going to feel this thing tomorrow. Like, they, props to them if they can get it up. Props to them if they can block it. But I'm hitting this thing as hard as I possibly can. And I think you're wondering, like, all right, so, like, why don't you just do that all the time? And it's just it's just different because you have to just – there's something triggers it, right? Like, you have to – you have to go through something in a match. You have to feel the momentum of the match. You just have – there's something that happens – and you just you just get in that zone and you're like, look, this this is how I'm gonna approach the rest of this thing and and we'll see what happens after the end of it, you know, when it's over. But like it's just not I don't think it's something that you can always have at point zero. I think you just have to deal with some stuff first. Like you have to get a few balls blocked your way, you have to see a few yeah. a few tips not land, like things like that. And you just like and then you just tell yourself, like, all right, well, we're down two one at home. We're playing to Paul, we should not lose it to Paul because that puts us back in a tie with Marquette. And you start thinking about all these <laughs> things, and you're just like, you know what? Like, screw this. Like, I'm just going after it. And I call it FU mode. It's yeah. just like you're just like F everything, man. I'm just gonna go for it. And I think that's what we saw because her her energy was like focused rage. You know what I mean? Like she was going up there with a purpose. She was gonna hit the ball as hard as she can. She was gonna approach the ball as hard as she could. And Whatever happened on the other side of the net, like good luck to Paul because this thing's coming fast, coming hard, and I'm betting you're not gonna be able to deal with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, I I remember times where it's like you lose a call that like the refs completely mess up. Like that would piss me off. Um, you know, maybe somebody on like the other side of the net is like a little bit chatty or like talking trash, and you're like, all right, screw this. Like I'm putting this ball down you know, or using you on a block or that sort of thing. So I, I do think that's a good analysis. Like it can be just something small or it's like some girl sassy to you and you're like, all right, screw this. Like I'm just going to get kills after kills after kills. But um, yeah. I think for her, you know, too bad it didn't happen a little bit earlier in the match. <laughs> Might have been able to flip a few of those sets. But, yeah. I, you know, when you get to that point, I think you don't you can't always control um, what sets you off and puts you in that mindset. That's what I mean. I like it's just hard to figure out when you're gonna go there, but once you go there, like that's what you just know that you know you're in it when you're in it, you know. I don't I just don't think you can ever just tell yourself, all right, let's get in the zone here. Let's <laughs> let's hype myself up and swing hard, you know. I just think swinging hard when you're pissed off is different than 
telling yourself to swing hard because you want to swing hard, you know? I just think there's different there's a different energy that goes into it all. So I mean, I've never lived it, but I think I've tried to like analyze it. And I think that's what happens. Like you just see a look and then the actions are more purposeful and you just feel like, yep, that person's in the zone right now. Like that's what it is. Um, you know what today I we've I, I'm I'm really impressed because we've managed to get this far into the podcast and we haven't mentioned blocking yet. And I thought Megan was just <laughs> gonna be like speed up to talk about blocking today because if you've listened to this show, especially this year, we have been um harping on the fact that Creighton has not been blocking to the level they usually block at. Uh this weekend might have altered some things in that regard in terms of like course correction. Uh so they had 10 blocks against Marquette. It felt like they got better at the net as that match wore on and certainly was a factor, especially as they got Marquette out of system more often. But today against the Paul was an entirely different story. Program record 22 blocks. Like uh Kiana Schmidt had a career high 13 blocks. Nora Sis had a career high nine blocks. Um let's see who else had a big blocking day. I think Kiara did too. Yeah, Kiara had nine blocks. I mean Kendra had six. Like Creighton blocked their asses off today. Where did that come from? I don't know. And I was thinking the same thing. Uh, Do you think this team was going to be the, like, we talked about this for three weeks and then they set the program record. Like, seriously? What? Yeah, I don't. I I guess they played. Yeah. I mean, they went from no blocks really to just dominating. <laughs> so I, we'll see if it's a, if it's a trend going forward, we can only hope that it will continue trending forward. And it wasn't right. just like a fluke of a thing. Um, but yeah, super impressive. I mean, they outblocked their opponents in both of these games this weekend. Yes. Which I think yes. for Marquette, I think that's really impressive when you look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because I thought, you know, Marquette had more parity than Creighton just statistically. Um, so it makes it a little bit harder. But man, twenty-two team blocks. I do you know what the second like what the record was before? Yeah, it was twenty. Uh, they had they had they had gotten twenty-one in a match. I think okay. two, 2003 and 2012, they had 21. I think against Southern Illinois and Tulsa. I think I remember right. So, wow. um, yeah, it's been a minute since they've they've had this many for sure. So, hmm. um, yeah, I don't I don't know what the difference was really. I swear, I just I couldn't figure out why they were getting more touches, why they were more consistently getting hands on balls. Like, you know, DePaul's a, I don't know, they're a smaller team, but they're not like. They, they, you know, I thought they elevated pretty well. I, I think Creighton's played teams like DePaul this season too, and hasn't blocked this well, also. So, I don't know what the what the reason was. I can't really figure it out. I just know that watching it is like, oh yeah, they're just getting hands on everything, you know. And mm-hmm. it's just like that's different, and that's certainly what they've been working on. But you know, it just hasn't happened at this point. And man, today is like, <laughs> I, saw, I I was I was I'll just say this: it was a lot easier to keep track of block touches throughout the year on the notepad because like you know they're fewer and far between today i just stopped at some point i was like yeah they're just they're blocking the hell out of everything today so i'm not tracking this anymore um i don't know Did you see anything technically that looked different to you that you, you've been saying it's probably like a small thing that's that's keeping them from getting more ace blocks than than they have been getting right so gosh does it, it i mean not to just bury analysis and move on but does it feel like they just did you know, some like closed up some smaller technical issues, and that's why they got more touches and more ace blocks today. Is that just as simply as it gets? 
I mean, from it sure looked like that. I mean, I thought like the pins were set up really well, especially. And I thought the middles, even when they were kind of trailing to close, I thought they did a good job of getting their hands over and trying to close. Um, there were a few blocks, you know, where the middles are trailing over there and, oh, they get a hand on it and turn it back in and it lands um, on DePaul's side. So, you know, a, a standpoint from that standpoint, like just the setup and then, um, I don't know if it was a mindset thing. I think I talked about that a little bit. I mean, a lot of that is like being really athletic, you know, being dynamic, getting up there, like wrapping your hands, like just kind of willing that ball to go down on the other side. And a lot of it is like, okay, I'm not going to let this girl like use me, you know, down the line, you know, or that sort of thing, or like go below me, getting my hands really far, press over the net and just taking away a lot of space. So I don't know if it was part of that. And I think, you know, when your team does get rolling blocking and they are just absolutely rolling, um, <laughs> I think it can kind of spread. And then people are just, you know, really locked into that skill um, and just want to get touches. So, but yeah, I can't tell you like technically why, you know, why it was kind of a mystery to me as well. Um, just to see them with so many block touches and then the stuff blocks as well. Yeah. Either way, Megan's going to have a good night watching this one back. Cause you know, this was just like, Block City, so that's her, that's her bread and butter. Um, let's talk about serving real quick. I think we're still on good time. There's a few more things I want to touch on real quick. Um, but serving, um, Ellie Bolton went on a 10-point serving run in set four. I alluded to that earlier when I was confused. Uh, but she flipped set four from 11 to 8 to 10, 21 to 8. She had three straight aces uh, that put, made it 17 and 8 and basically put them put that set away. And that was obviously a must-win set for Creighton, you know, going into that one down 2-1. So we've talked about Ellie serving, but, I mean, she was dynamite this weekend in both matches, honestly. Like, But especially in set four, toe in the line, um, when they needed her to be sharp. And, uh, you know, and then Jayla Zimmerman coming in. At, I don't think – I expected her to see her this weekend because I expected Creighton to kind of roll over DePaul. I don't know if I expected to see her seven seven in the fifth set, like that. That's not that's not bringing her in for you know a little like celebratory match ending closer like she has. Go- Those are the first two times she went in was just basically basically to put a match away right for a moment, um, or I guess she put the set away the first time. Probably uh, she put the match away, but seven seven against a Paul in the fifth set, you've just gone on a run basically to get yourself tied up in this thing. And she goes on a three-point serving run. Like, she gets Marquette out of the system a couple times. And on the first one, Marquette or DePaul was actually in system and ran a one really quick at back at her, and she dug it. Like, props to Jayla for being ready to <laughs> rock. Like, you know what I mean? It still doesn't, like, she doesn't look like Jayla yet. That's not, you know, that's, that's obvious. But, you know, that's a cool-ass moment right there. You know what I mean? Because she just wanted, like, you know how competitive she is. Like you played with her, <laughs> like you know her. Um, she wanted like some, you know, like hit a ball back at me. I want to dig this thing. Yeah. I want to like, I want to be part of an actual stressful point. I want to like, I want to feel that exhilaration. I want to be part of that huddle, and you know that goes with celebrating a huge point and not so like against Providence. I think it was a little bit of a downer because she just served a little, you know, an easy ball that could have been passed over, and they just let it drop. Yeah. And she's like, "Why would you?" It was a just free let, ball. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, like why would you just let that fall? What's wrong with y'all? Um, so she had, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Like, that's pretty cool that she was part of a pivotal serving run, right? Just like to get her back yeah. in the swing of things. 
I I was very surprised. I just was like, oh, they're putting Jayla in, <laughs> you know, because um, I, I didn't expect it. Obviously, I mean, she's hasn't really played. I mean, she served, but she hasn't, yeah. you know, like you said, like played an actual like point out essentially. Right. Um, that was, I think that was her first pass year. all year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. first dig um, or whatever this year. So she's got an ace and a dig, I think, on the year. <laughs> um, <laughs> very efficient. But, yeah, I mean, I think that just shows the trust. And obviously, she's somebody that's been around and been in those, like, high-pressure situations. Um, but, yeah, to be cold, coming in the fifth set at 7-7, I think, is a ballsy coaching move. Um, Seriously. But I, I think if you choose anyone, you'd probably choose Jayla. I think she's very level-headed um, and obviously has a ton of on-court experience, just not super recently um, to kind of mm-hmm. back up on. But, yeah, I was surprised. Um, I was like, oh, interesting coaching, you know, move. Yeah. And I – wasn't expecting it <laughs> no i wasn't either but i think that's what like what i think kirsten's logic was right along the lines of what you're saying right there because she's like all right you know i've already um you know ellie was serving for ayla ava and i think keely was serving for or who was ellie serving for maybe ellie was serving for Healy and keely was serving for ava one of those two because mm-hmm. of the substitution patterns you know so there, you know, at that point, what are your options left um, to bring a server off the bench? Like you can, they're either going to let Kiara serve for the first time all match, right? Because she hadn't served. She has been part of the serving rotation sometimes this season, uh, maybe not consistently, but so that was probably an option. Just like keep Kiara in there and let her serve. Um, if you're going to bring someone off the bench, though, like it probably your options were limited. But the logic was kind of like, yeah, I mean, Jayla might not be. Jayla, like in terms of, her, you know, how well she can play volleyball right now. But, I mean, that competitor is still in there, you know. Like that edge is still there. She hasn't lost that at all. Um, so if you're thinking about like 7-7, pressure-packed moment, got to nail the serve, you know, can't put it in the net and have to be able to nail a pass if it comes back at you. Like if you're thinking about players that are on the bench that check those boxes, like, Jayla's probably top of the list, right? Even 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 all the circumstances that go into it where you're like, you know, she's not ready. He's still Jayla Zimmerman. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think it was a really cool moment for her, obviously, to kind of have that impact and help put away that match. Um, but yeah, she did a great job and yeah, being cold in the fifth set after standing on the side for a couple hours, I think. Seriously. Um, really impressive that she came in and hit those serves and got that dig, especially. I mean, she had to lay out for that dig and got yep. it right in the system and gave him a good, you know, dig transition option. Yep. Nora put it down because um, Nora was putting everything down at that point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Ellie, uh, let's go back to Ellie's 10 point serving run, too, because we've talked about Ellie. She's had a really good year from the service line. And I think we saw. We saw her versatility, too. Like, I don't know how many. Excuse me. How many servers do you think have like the ability to hit different spots, like different zones, different seams, go after different players, like where they can dive bomb it or, you know, drill it like low line drive across the net and hit those, you know, zones in the back row. Like it seems like Ellie's got some versatility to her service game. And I think it's really impactful. And I thought we saw that in that 10 point serving run because she was kind of like, I mean, she was kneeling serves all over the map. And I think it was intentional. Yeah, I think I'm trying to think, you know, if anyone else has kind of done that um, this year for Creighton, but I, I can't really think. I mean, Keeley is kind of that hard driven ball deep and um, 
Kendra, you know, doesn't usually drop one short and that sort of thing. Um, I can't really think, you know, of other people. So I think, I mean, she's really about one. I think that the coaches are like, all right, of all six spots on the floor, like we could just choose one and she could drop it right in there. So I think that's why she's back there. Um, and she can really mess with those passers, you know, kind of play with the passers, hit them short for a few, drive some deep. And I think that's just really beneficial to have, you know, to get those passers moving and kind of trying to guess where she's going to serve. Yeah, for sure. I think that, I mean, um, Kirsten uh, went with Ellie in the fifth set over over Keeley. I mean, Keeley's been yeah. creating his best server for what two, three years, maybe. Um, running, so to go to Ellie in the fifth set, it kind of like speaks to what Ellie's been doing this season, and especially what they did in the fourth set with that ten point run, like to put set four away because they were down six three when she towed the line, and she got that thing tied all the way back up. You know what I mean? Just with aggressive serving and getting Creighton, you know, getting DePaul out of system and getting Creighton some some easier balls in transition to deal with to put to put points on the board. So she had two pivotal runs, like 10-0. She had a 10-point run in the set in the fourth set to put that thing away. And then they were down 6-3 coming out of the timeout. And she got that thing all the way back to 6-6 um before Jayla came in and had the run that kind of, you know, put that one out of reach. So yeah, I mean, Creighton was great from the service line. But especially Ellie and then um, Jayla following that up. So props to those two for being, you know, being ready when the number was called off the bench and just playing a great, like, you know, impactful, pivotal points and, you know, rising to the occasion. Because that's not easy to do, especially when you're not a six rotation player. I feel like when you're a six rotation player, you can kind of work your way into things. You can make some mistakes and recover from them, you know. But when you're coming off the bench, like, you know what that's like? You're coming in. You talked about it when you were when you were just playing front row. Like, you're coming in fresh, and you have to make an impact. Like, your energy has to be at a high level. You have to be efficient, like, because you, you're not going to get six rotations to work your way into things, right? Yeah, and I think that's what makes, like, playing those roles really difficult at times. I mean, I mean to be, like, a serving specialist or even, you know, be a DS, um, especially those people that have to come in and serve and, you know, play great defense and then, like, sit on the side or a middle, you know, you play your three rotations and then you're out for three. Um, and if you are going on big runs, you know, um, then you're out for a good majority of that game. So, yeah, it's just difficult, but I think – doing your role really well is super essential. And you saw those two, you know, make a really big impact in people that maybe, you know, don't get all the headlines of, you know, 20 kills a night and that sort of thing or the assists and all that. But I think those are the people that kind of set the foundation for everything else that you can do um, offensively. Yeah. Um. Now, Kiana Schmidt had two really good days. Like, I don't know. It felt like she's kind of been playing at this level for a little bit, but I think she went to a different one this weekend. Like, you look at 11 blocks, five, 11 kills, five blocks, and over near 500 hitting against Marquette. That's crazy. Um, then she had 16 kills and 13 blocks, both career highs against DePaul. And it felt like, you know, Kiana, like, was there to make big plays all weekend when Creighton needed a big play. And I think that's what is probably like standing out to me because I don't think she's been incapable of having good matches on paper, but sometimes you just don't always notice it until you, until you look at the sheet. You know what I mean? Like, Oh wow. Kiana's got nine kills on, you know, 15 or 16 swings. Like, Oh wow. She's got four or five blocks. I think this weekend though, I noticed it more than I did on paper. And I think that's kind of like, 
why I'm wondering, like, is she starting to play some of her best volleyball? Because if you can feel it as an observer and it stands out to you where like, you know, cause like, I don't know, nine kills when you're like getting them in the midst of a like 25 to 15, like say Creighton wins a set by 10 or more and she gets like four or five kills in there. Like those aren't all, those aren't all the same type of pressure that you feel when it's like 10, 10 or you're down three and you need to make go on a run. I felt like, I felt like all of her, she had a lot of impactful plays when Creighton needed an impactful play. And I think that's a sign that like she's, I don't know, maybe one, she's like kind of just, you know, becoming that upperclassman steady Eddie type, you know, that you see players just, they just kind of blossom into that eventually. Like where it's like, super confident in all their skills. They know what they're supposed to do out there and they know their role really well. And then it just point to point, they're really consistent. And I think that's what we're starting to see from Kiana is like point to point. She's pretty consistent, pretty reliable. And that's why it was more noticeable this weekend, because when, when Creighton needed a big play, like Kendra wasn't afraid to call her number. Um, You know, she got block touches. She got ace blocks. Like um, even on that play where, uh, Ellie went sliding into the scores table and Nora got the solo. Like, that was a, the first that thing started with a quick reaction by Kiana because Keely got stuffed and it went to Kiana had the first contact after it. Like, she had the quick up to get that thing flying back towards the scores table. So, I don't know. She just, she was just there more. If that makes sense. Like, it was like, oh man, great, need something. Oh, there's Kiana. Oh, there's Kiana again. Oh, there's Kiana again. I just kept noting that, you know, she kept making big plays and I just, I thought she stood out more this weekend than I've seen her stand out in any other, you know, two match stretch, in my opinion. Yeah. I thought, I mean, like you said, at big moments, I think they went to her and that's really good to see because, you know, they don't have to ride the train of like, we must set Ava, we must set Nora. Like those are our options at end game. But I thought, you know, Kendra started to trust her at those big moments and she, she's like, all right, she's good for a kill. And like, we need to spread it out that way, you know, Marquette's block can't go there. DePaul's block can't, you know, kind of key on one person. And um, even if they did, then it didn't create that nice opening for Kiana. And she's somebody, you know, that swings high, she swings hard and um, she can put that ball. A lot of her swings are cross court, um, but she seems to score, uh, you know, a majority of the time and is relatively low error as well, which is really important. Um, so I think she's somebody that they can definitely rely on for, for a kill if they need one. Sure. So I wanted to wrap this up. Um, I don't know. I had this topic in mind before the weekend and my perspective on it changed a little bit. Um, based on what happened today. So I kind of wanted to ask you if uh, <laughs> if Keely Davis was an, is an all-time great Creighton player. And um, I thought it would be an interesting conversation because you've played with her, so you kind of know her mentality, right? You know her mindset. You know what she's where she started. And then we've seen, like, the, the progression of her skill set and her impact on the team and her impact on winning. And then today, um, what Kirsten said in, in the post-match, like, it just changed it from a question in my mind to more of like a, yeah, I kind of think it's without a doubt at this point. So I don't know if she's going to be, 
I don't know if there's going if 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 you told me like let's let's say we get I don't know five five years down the road after her career is over, you know what I mean? I don't know if he's gonna be even in the top ten of players you think of. If you say like name me, just name me Creighton's ten best players, like of the last decade plus. I don't know if Keeley is going to come to mind for a lot of people as the years go by. I think it'll be harder for her to them to remember her because if you think about when her career happened, like she redshirted behind Jaylee and Taryn, right? So Jaylee and Taryn were like, they're probably the two best players Crane ever had. Right. Um, certainly the most decorated. We can argue about that, but anyway, um, <laughs> Anyway, studs, right? So she redshirted behind them, and then she tore it up as a freshman, right? I mean, she had some legendary matches, yeah. But it felt like then it it also turned into a thing where, like, Jayla was clearly the, like, you felt like Jayla was the best player on the team. And then last year, Nora comes in, and she tears it up, and it's kind of like Nora, Jayla, and then, you know, Keeley's an option, right? And then this year, it's like Nora, Ava, Keeley's had a really good year, but you still like everyone gets excited when they see Nora and Ava because they're really powerful, they're really athletic, they can fly around. Those highlight reels are just booming with their with their with their kills and their plays, right? But Keeley's putting together a hell of a career. So just like on the first, so let's talk about her career at first. So she has nine hundred twenty six kills right now in her career. That's twentieth all time. She has seven hundred sixty three digs. That's twenty seventh all time. So right there, she's a top 30 all-time six rotation player. Um, she has 129 aces in her Creighton career. That's second all-time. Only one Creighton player has more than that. And she has 140 career blocks. So she's basically been a six rotation impact player at a high level. And then when you factor in the teams that she's played on are some of Creighton's best teams of all time, right? Statistically, there's an argument, Okay. But I can also understand if, like, as the years go by and more players come into the program, those numbers kind of get buried and maybe it doesn't stand out as much, right? But today, what Kirsten talked about, I think, solidifies it for me because this kind of tells me what kind of a teammate she is more than what type of just a talent she is. Um, Because Keely got pulled today. And Jazz got put in the match, right? Um, just on like a – Pearson can explain it better, but it was just kind of on a feel. Like, look, we're down right now. We, we're doing the same old thing. Like, I'm just going to put Jazz in and switch things up and just see if we can, you know, catch the ball, you know, get him off guard, get him, get him thinking about something else. And it worked because Jazz had five kills on eight swings, didn't make an error. She was cutting shots that no one else can cut on the floor, like Nora, Ava, Keeley. They don't hit the shots that Jazz hits. She's a lefty. She can go. She can go cross court right across the damn net and like put it in the front row. Like she's just got weird angles on her shots. She's very unorthodox and it just a different look. And it's a is it? It's always an impact when Creighton goes to that because teams are never ready for it, and it takes them a while to get get back into the swing of things. But you watch Keeley's body language on the sidelines. She's freaking out on every point that Creighton scores. Like, double fists in the air, just, like, screaming at the top of her lungs, like, pumping people up. 
Like she doesn't pout. She doesn't she doesn't like bitch and moan that she got pulled when she was playing well. Like Keely today against the Paul, she had yeah, she had five kills on ten swings and only one error. She had eleven digs, two blocks, an ace. So she did all the things that Keely does. Impacted the stat sheet all the way across the board. Her points on the board for Creighton. Um, she was doing it efficiently. Like there was no reason from a statistical standpoint to pull her out of that match. Like she's not the reason that DePaul was up two to one. You know what I mean? She was playing fine. Um, but the fact that she got pulled as a senior and someone who's playing well in a match that you're down and you're like, what the hell? I want to, I want to win the biggest championship as bad as anyone on this roster too. Like, why am I getting taken out and not make it about her and just keep like doing her thing, keep cheering on the team, keep going in there and serving tough when her number was called to serve, like when it was her turn to serve. Like, I don't think there's any doubt now that she's an all-time great player because that's like, that's not just talent and skill and stats and numbers and wins piled up. That's a, that's a, that's a, that goes beyond the box score. That's stuff that you can't really, um, it's harder to remember unless you like you you felt like you experienced it, right? Because anyone who wasn't in the arena today probably doesn't know how Keeley reacted to getting pulled. And someone who doesn't didn't watch the match will just look at the stat sheet and go, "Well, Keeley Keely only played three sets. What happened there?" They probably don't know the story. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah I kind of wanted to talk about this before the weekend, and I, I thought it was more of a question. Now I'm not so sure. Now I think. Like, it's pretty solidified. Like, she's got a, quite a legacy that she's built up there. You know, she's got accolades in terms of awards. Um, she's won a lot of matches in a Creighton uniform, and the stats are there. And then you talk about the type of teammate that she showed herself to be today. Like, you know, my hat's off to her because I think she's putting together a hell of a career, and I think, like, for sure she is an all-time great Blue Jay. So I don't expect you to talk me off the ledge on that one, but as her <laughs> former team, as her former teammate, like, how much does that stuff make an impact when you, especially today, like where where a senior who is like a stud gets pulled and doesn't pout? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that speaks just to the history too and the culture of Creighton volleyball. I mean, I know there were times like when I was there that we had that similar situation where a senior gets pulled, a freshman like earns the spot over them and they have to deal with it maybe in more of a long-term type of situation. I'm sure Keely will, you know, probably be back in that starting lineup and everything. 100%. Um, yeah. But I just, you know, I think it just, it shows the younger players too. I think that's the thing. It's like, if she were to react neg- negatively to that, that player that takes her spot is now like, Oh no, you know, like I, you know, I made her mad or, you know, I'm in her spot and then it can create, drama within a team and that's just something you never want so I think everybody is mature enough to you know kind of be like okay you know it's not not my time right now we need something different and that's why it's so difficult to be on a team and to be on a team that has such depth Mm -hmm. I think you know you're always fighting for that spot and as great as it is for competition and you know making everyone better it can be a little bit you know, not great for you, you know, if the coach is like, we need something different and um, yeah, just supporting your teammates who go in, you know, no matter, you know, if it's a fifth year senior or a freshman or, you know, no matter who it is. And um, it's just really important. And um, I think she's been, obviously, I mean, she's been, you know, at Creighton for several, several years now. And mm-hmm. I think you kind of look back at her body of work and the stats and um, the way too, that she has impacted the team, you know, off the court. 
And I think, you know, you, you can't argue that she's been a great player for Creighton and um, really evolved her game too. And I think that's a really yeah. impressive thing. She's continued to adapt, like what she needs to do and what role she's going to play. She can, she's like, I'll play right side, you know, I'll improve my passing. I'll get better at blocking. Oh, I just took my serve to a different level. And I think those are the things that make players great and make people really fun to play with as well. Yeah, for sure. That's the other part of it too. Because the thing when you're thinking about it is like, he's good enough to be the number one on tons of teams across the country. You know what I mean? So the fact that she didn't say like, you know what, if you think like, like Jayla's number one or like Nora's number one or whatever, whoever you want, like to be the, the, the stud on this team. Like I can go somewhere else and like be the stud and show you guys like, but she didn't. Cause like she cares about, you know, getting wins, playing at a high level, being at Creighton, being a good teammate, like all that stuff clearly matters to her because like you said, he has evolved her game too. Like as a freshman, she was basically just like throw the ball to the pin and let Keely smash the crap out of it, right? That was a lot of fun. You know what I mean? She had some legendary matches doing that, right? She yeah. got a lot of freshman of the week awards doing that, right? But eventually she evolved too because she wanted to be a six rotation player. She wanted to serve. Like she didn't want to ever come off the court. She wanted to impact winning as much as she could. And I mean, you look at the type of player she is now versus the type of player she was when she first started here. And then you start to see the type of teammate she is when you know, when Kirsten and the coaching staff decides to call someone else's number, because it's not the first time they've done it this year. But the fact that she hasn't made that an issue yet kind of speaks to the fact that maybe she doesn't think it's an issue. Maybe she just kind of understands that there are a lot of good players on this team and not everyone's playing the role that they want to play and that not everyone's going to play the role that they want to play all the time. But the type of teammate they have to be doesn't have to change even when they're playing a different role. So if she comes off the bench and she's still cheering the loudest. She's got her hands in the air, and she's freaking out at every point. Um, yeah, like, solidified it. Let the cement dry. Like, she's an all – but, like, get Creighton's walk of fame going. Like, I think she is for sure a, an all-time great Blue Jay. So, like, that that just solidified it, in my opinion. I don't know why that took it to solidify it, but I just, like, I'm a sucker <laughs> for sentiment. <laughs> I just kind of am. I just like seeing the – the stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet, you know what I mean? It just has a little bit more of an impact when I watch things. So I don't know why it took that, but I think the stats are there, the accolades are there, and then obviously the the, the intangibles seem to be there as well based on her reaction to today and and things like that as well. So um, hat tip to Keely Davis because I think she's, um, you know, wrapping up an all-time great career. So I just wanted to talk about that real quick. Um, that's all I got for tonight. What else? You got anything else on your mind, Meg? I don't think so. Who's up next? I didn't look ahead to the. Who's up next? That's a good question. Let me pull up the. Nova. Ah, always an interesting match. Oh no, Nova on the road. Nova on the road in Georgetown on the road. Meg has nightmares when it's Nova on the road. I kind of have nightmares from both of those. I remember going five at Georgetown. Oh, yeah, you guys did go five at Georgetown one time. Win. I'm like, I kind of have <laughs> bad memories at both those places. I forgot the five-setter at Georgetown. Holy cow. That's funny stuff. Oh, gosh. Um. So, yeah, let me, I'm pulling this guy to right now. Sorry. So, you know, um, I think uh, this these two weekend matches, though, were the only – Wait, doesn't play any more home matches in October, though, so that's a wrap. But yeah, they'll host yeah, right. the Big East tournament and everything like that. So, 
there's more to come. Yeah, so this is a four. They're on a four game road trip now. So they go October 21st and October 22nd. Uh, so they're at Villanova on Friday and then at Georgetown on Saturday. So the DC trip, what's the DC trip like? That's a lot of fun, right? Yeah, that was my favorite. I liked yeah. DC a lot. I, I think DC, cool. I think DC is a pretty popular trip for you guys. I think, like, just from a touristy standpoint, you guys get to go a lot of cool places and everything. So, and yeah, that's probably why you, that's probably why you guys don't play well. <laughs> You're just, just like taking like in the sights of the capital city of the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Lots of things to look at: statues, museums. Yeah, exactly. And then the Jays are at Seton Hall and St. John's after that. So that's the four match road trip, and then they'll be home for. Um, four straight before redoing the DePaul Marquette um, weekend to wrap up the season, regular season. So, anyway, that's a, that's a lot from us, but that's enough from us. Um, this has been your Creighton Volleyball wrap-up podcast for the DePaul Marquette weekend. For Megan Ballinger, I'm Matt DeMarinas. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will talk to you all again next week. Have a good week, everybody.